0: He's going for the He's Texas back. We're back welcome back to another episode of Fire Tom Herman, your overreactionary Texas Longhorns football fan podcast. You can find us on just about any pro- podcasting platform you can think of, as well as on Twitter at the FTH podcast. I'm Gordog24P here with Tuxedos9, and we are your hosts. And today we're talking about the storylines that have dominated the airwaves and social media for Texas this offseason, including hot takes about our season, Terry Bradshaw's recent comments, recruiting panic, and a listener question. With that, let's just get started tux how you doing how's how's your off season how's your summer been even better it's been so long
1: yeah it has been a while uh it's been extremely hot I, I didn't quite miss that as much but i'm ready to finally talk about texas football uh we took a little bit of a hiatus we had some issues come up with scheduling and then we had a episode recorded that had some technical issues so we just decided to scrap it but now we're back
0: yeah it was a uh little touch and go. We tried we we said we were going to keep a once a month schedule and then the May episode got messed up and then June we just couldn't really get anything together and just sort of scrapped it. But yeah, you know, we're we're well, this will help us get back into the swing of it. We got a month before fall camp really kicks off, so we got a little bit of time to get settled back in here.
1: Yes, yeah, so with that, let's just dive right into the hot takes since it is summertime. Uh you want to start off with the positive ones?
0: Yeah, so the positive ones go first, just to make us feel good about ourselves. Uh, first one we got was on Twitter. Uh, we had at Simon Says Sport told us that the Longhorns are going to go 10-2 and two in the regular season and return to the Big 12 championship game and actually beat OU, who will obviously be there as well, after losing to them in the Red River shootout. We'll play in another New York Six Bowl, and then OU is also going to finish the season 10-2, and two, but missing out. Both teams will miss out on the college football playoff.
1: You know, I can see that if um, the defense is ready to play, if um, Sam uh, takes another leap forward, but th- that still involves a lot of, uh, I guess, injury luck. So I can see that. That that's kind of that's kind of spicy.
0: Yeah, and I guess I guess just something to talk about. He says ten and two in the regular season, and talks about losing to OU in Dallas. So. Where do you think that other loss is going to come from? Do you think it's going to be LSU, or do you think it's going to be Iowa State on the inevitable Thursday night in Ames game that we get stuck with, seemingly every time we go up there? Or is it going to be one of those freak ones to Kansas or Louisiana Tech?
1: I think it's going to be a freak one. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, Matt Campbell, the Iowa State head coach, has not done well against Tom Herman. Uh, at least the last two years, it's i mean—it's really been a beatdown, if I'm being honest, so I can't see it being Iowa State, even though it is in Ames. It, it's got to be some random team that, you know, probably was struggling a little, and Texas overlooked them, and the next thing you know, like we we put up a two or three touchdown lead, and the team starts to coast, and then they come back and win. It, it's going to be something completely random like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's something I'm more afraid of than anything else is that three-possession curse from 2018 carrying into this season. The, uh, the next positive hot take that we saw um, was courtesy of the illustrious publication known as Sporting News. Texas wins the Big 12 and plays in the college football playoff. I believe they had us matched up with Clemson in the college football playoff. What do you think about that?
1: That, that is super spicy. Holy shit. That's, uh, that's ghost pepper spicy.
0: That's burnt orange media conspiracy shit right there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, to make it to the... To the playoff you would you can only really lose one game in the regular season and it would have to be to one of lsu and ou and to you know you'd have to beat out everybody else by convincing margin and i just you know with, with the defensive questions and a little bit of uncertainty on offense considering our depth chart on at running back at tight end maybe even a couple of the tackle spots or sorry, uh, a backup tackle, it, it seems a little iffy to me.
0: Yeah, that that one would be be pretty crazy, and that yeah, I, I I can't imagine this year being the year just with the amount of that we've lost on defense. I I struggled to see that working out, but I'd love for Sporting News to be right, but I don't. Expect oh yeah, them to be. same. All right, so take us through the negative hot takes we got.
1: Yeah, so this is from SEC Network anchor Pete Burns. A primetime network audience will get to see LSU throttle Texas in Austin. What do you think?
0: I mean, I think it's a little spicy. I think it's an SEC network guy playing to his audience. He knows who his... I I can't remember if he said it on Twitter or whatever, um, but definitely playing to his audience. Uh, But I think to honestly believe that would be... Especially just with the the phrasing of it, to say throttle means that LSU is just going to smack us down. When Tom Herman... Has done, if he's done nothing else in his career as a head coach, has shown that he's a big game and underdog head coach. Right now, LSU is favored. Um, we're playing at home. It's going to be likely, uh, assuming we don't screw something up against Louisiana Tech, which is not out of the question. that That's going to be a game day game. It's going to be lights are on. Everything is going to be focused on this game. It's going to be a big game. Um, so I'm not saying that we're definitely going to win, but it would be shocking us to come out flat and just get absolutely stomped by LSU
1: yeah and frankly that just has not happened very often in the Tom Herman Texas era where a team has throttled him the most I guess uh, I, I guess the only thing close to a throttling I can remember is maybe TCU his first year but that was yeah. a 10-win TCU and I don't think we even had Sam in that game if I'm recall nope, I think it was
0: Boosh was starting that one
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably missing uh, another game that probably was just bleak. But, you know, really outside of that one, th- there hasn't been a throttling. No. Texas finds a way to keep things close, and, and they play up for the big games. So I think even if uh, Texas loses to LSU, it, it's probably going to be close.
0: Yeah, I, I just don't see any way that LSU runs away with it.
1: Yeah, same. Okay, so the next one, uh, this is from at... Kachanka? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay, let's go with that. Uh, Texas loses to LSU, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma will struggle at TCU and at Iowa State, prob- possibly losing one of those games. And Hermon will try to fight Gundy again, and Texas will be back.
0: This one was from an OU fan, and it's just, just sort of funny. He, he did meme a little bit there at the end, so I had to give him credit for that. That's why I felt like we should throw that in here. But I guess just piece by piece, Texas loses to LSU, not that spicy a take. Definitely something I could see happening. Oklahoma State, I mean, there's just a lot of questions around Oklahoma State. They're going to be one of those dark horses this year um, with them turning to a new quarterback who's going to be inexperienced. Losing to Oklahoma would not be a surprise. Um, Struggling at TCU, we're on... All on the Gary Patterson roller coaster right now. They sucked last year, so it's time to be good again for TCU. At Iowa State, I mean, we already talked about it. Ames is scary, but uh, Matt Campbell has not figured out Texas yet. Herman trying to fight Gundy, you know, whatever. But basically, he'd be calling for four losses, saying three guaranteed, possibly a fourth. So nine and three, eight and four is the record he's saying. And given the list of the teams that he gave us there for who we would lose to, I really wouldn't be that upset by most of those other than maybe oklahoma state depending on how they look this year
1: or even tcu like people expect gary patterson to bring tcu back again but you know it's it's about to be summertime we still don't know who their quarterback starter is it doesn't bode well
0: yeah when none of their quarterbacks on their depth chart seem to have working arms at the moment uh they're, they're yeah tcu in the same boat as oklahoma state um, just with more Gary Patterson sway, I guess, it, it all comes down to whether or not the quarterback works out.
1: Yeah, and you could say that same exact thing for Oklahoma State. Exactly. Um, so so yeah, I, I I don't think this is like ultimately that spicy. Um, I can't see Texas losing to both LSU and Oklahoma. I mean, I, I hope they win at least one of those. But I, I don't know if Herman will try to fight Gundy again. I think last time it was, I, I, I don't think it was, like, justified. Herman definitely got a little emotional. But you could see that from his perspective, he thought Gundy was calling people out. Yeah, I, I guess I could see it. I just don't think it's likely again since it's in Austin. <laughs> right. And then Texas being back after an 8-4 and four season is, uh, no, not likely. Okay, so the next one is from a noted listener and a noted Texas Tech fan who used to be a Texas Longhorns fan and uh, loves to troll us. It's Riv. He he says that Texas will never win the conference under Herman. What do you think?
0: First off, I think he's wrong. I would not be surprised to see us not win the conference this year. Um, But I think, I mean, just based on how we did last year and with us settling into having a more consistent number of people returning, Um, really starting next year. I would be surprised to see us not, not be a very, 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 very serious contender more so than people are looking at us this year, uh, for 2020, I think is where we really have a, a good chance to be back to being the big bad in the big 12, never win the conference. Absolutely not. I don't think that's true at all, but, uh, this year, uh, I don't think that part would be too spicy.
1: Yeah. Same. Um, And Herman's really only been a head coach for what four years? He won it, he won the conference his first year at Houston, right? And then he made it to the championship game last year at Texas. So, I really like he's been in championship contention. Uh, I guess he was in championship contention second year at U of H as well. They just kind of flubbed that last one against Memphis. Yeah. So, so really, only that first year at Texas was when he was really not in championship contention. Um, so, I think it, it's uh, it, it's kind of absurd to say he will never win. Um, I, I think he'll definitely uh, get us close this year, and then probably uh, looks like they could take it next year.
0: Absolutely. And then, I think for our last, uh, we, we thought this one was notable because it kind of blew up in the past week or two. I don't know. It's the summer. I have no idea what day it is. I don't know how long it's been since this came out. And Supposedly, according um, to Louisiana Tech fans, these comments were from back in April, so it's kind of weird that it blew up now. Um, But Terry Bradshaw got up in front of the Louisiana Tech football program and made some comments about Texas. Didn't actually name names, but it seemed like he was pointing the finger at Sam Ellinger um, and said that he ain't that good. Uh, He also made reference to us having three five-star quarterbacks and two of them leaving, which seems like he might have, in his sort of old age, confused Texas and A&M, which by itself is its own offense. So we're really not sure what the hell he's talking about. But basically, end result is Sam, at the very least, as Sam does, has taken it as a personal slight. So what are your thoughts on that, Tux?
1: Oh, I mean, just keep this coming, Terry. Um... If he just keeps providing more bulletin board material, we're going to do great. I just know it.
0: Especially for an opening game. Like, all of us at this point are now concerned about every opening game, just based on how we've come out the last two years against Maryland and how we've looked against G5 opponents the past couple years. So there's this sort of mix of G5 uncertainty and opening week uncertainty, and I feel like anything Terry Bradshaw says to help us get up for that game is nothing but positive.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, there is some spookiness to consider since Louisiana Tech, I think, pretty much plays the option, and that's always a tough, tough out, you know. But to to call Sam Ellinger not good is taking a little step far. But I, I think he's also trying to rile up their boosters, whatever, whatever boosters Louisiana Tech may have. <laughs> so the
0: bag men for Louisiana Tech. Uh, you know? Yeah,
1: you know they they hand out bags of candies I guess like oh you should consider us yeah Uh, so so I I mean I'm not taking it too personally uh but I know that a guy like Sam a guy like Herman they're gonna eat this shit up
0: absolutely um and then I guess we'll move into uh some of the recruiting news that has taken place we're not going to dive deep into anything uh with Brew McCoy Obviously, that's over and done with. We're moving on, even though we haven't really talked about it here. Um, But let's just start with some of the positive things that have come across the wire um, for Texas so far. As far (laughs) as actual commitments, um, we got uh, Jaquindon Jackson in the 2020 class. Um, He's classified as an athlete. We've said that we're – or the rumor is um, that we have every intention of giving him a shot at quarterback, effectively making him a second quarterback commitment um with hudson card and then in 2021's class we picked up our first commit in wide receiver quay davis and both of those guys are especially notable because both of them are from dfw an area where this staff uh up until really this until these commitments has really struggled to pick up big name blue chip guys um and both of them have referenced the hashtag dallas to austin thing so uh basically that that all comes down to richard samples so what do you think tux
1: Oh, I love it. Um, Jaquinnon Jackson is just a freak. I I think he ran a 4.45, despite being, what, 6'3", 230? Um, The the dude is just something else. And to have him in the boat is great, because he's going to pull in other Dallas kids to Texas. But I think the most important thing is, if you give him time in the program, He's really the perfect fit for quarterback. If, if you can teach him accuracy, then I think you're great. Uh, on the other hand, if that doesn't work out and he's willing to switch to like linebacker or even a defensive end or maybe even B-backer, which is kind of the hybrid position, that would be fantastic. You'd be a plus-plus athlete there.
0: Yeah, and, and that's what gives me a lot of confidence in us taking both Card and Jackson. They're both highly rated uh Players, They both have uh, their sights set on playing quarterback, but uh, like you said, Jaquinnon Jackson has that, that athleticism to go play on the other side of the ball, and then Hudson Card, until just last year, um, spent most of his time actually playing wide receiver, so really it, it feels like a less risky play than we had with Casey Thompson and Cameron Rising, where both of those guys were quarterbacks, and if it wasn't quarterback, it really wasn't anything else. So if one of those guys ends up losing out to the other one, there is still hope that you could keep them as part of the program in a a different position and really take advantage of their athleticism.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that we should be watching now for is right now, we only have three quarterbacks on scholarship, right? So we have Sam, we have uh, Roshan, who's probably going to be third string, and we have Casey Thompson at second string. Casey Thompson already entered the portal earlier this year and nearly left, and if not for rising leaving, it would have been Thompson leaving, right? So we already know that if Thompson is not the starter going into next year, which, let's be honest, is probably going to be unlikely uh, since Sam with you know all of his stuff is probably going to return for his senior year. So we already know that probably going into next year, we're just going to have two quarterbacks. And so it's going to be important to keep that number at four at all times.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to become the new normal, I think. Sort of gone are the days of only taking one quarterback in, in, in a given class. You're really going to need to be working on two, whether that's one freshman in the recruiting class and a transfer or what. But just with the, the way of the transfer portal anymore, it's definitely something where... You, you need to be constantly recruiting two guys. Um, and, and ideally, they'd be in the same position as Jackson and Card, where they are athletic enough to play another position if things don't work out. So rather than force them out of the program, you can keep them on playing in, in another position while also probably still keeping them on the back burner as an emergency quarterback.
1: And taking two elite quarterbacks off the board also locks some other program in Texas out, to, out of uh getting one
0: absolutely uh our last piece of good news really i guess two pieces of good news um for recruiting comes down to two guys that are kind of considered silent commits already by a lot of fans a lot of recruiting insiders um we do have two outstanding silent commits um courtesy of brian carrington with his sh emojis so They're believed to be four-star linebacker, and in our case, he'd probably play B-backer, Prince Dorba, he's believed to be one, and he's committing, I believe it was July 10th, he will be publicly committing, so uh, all signs are pointing to him being All-Texas. And then we have Chris Thompson Jr., the four-star safety, same high school, Dallas Skyline as JaQuindon Jackson. So there's a lot of, just based on JaQuindon Jackson's commitment video, he sort of did it Avengers-style, where right at the end, he sort of teased another commitment. Um, and it's believed that that is Chris Thompson Jr. So we got a lot of... Uh, he, he doesn't have an exact timeline. I don't think he's picked out a date, uh, but he's likely within the next few weeks um, announcing. So we've got a lot of... Uh, we got at least those two to look forward to, uh, which will hopefully help with what's been going wrong for a lot of Texas fans in this class.
1: Yeah, so let's just talk about what's not going well. And you'd think that after a 10-win season... And a, you know, close beatdown of Georgia. It's barely as beat beating down, Georgia. Barely, exactly. Um, that you, we'd have a lot more momentum with like the top guys, especially the top national guys, because for the past eight years we've been saying, "Oh, Texas recruiting will pick back up when, when we win. When we win, we're going to land the elite guys." And uh, where are the elite Winning
0: solves
1: everything. Guys? Yeah, where where is that? And now they're the recruits are saying, oh, they want more production or they want something different. And it's like, okay, fine. Um, We we really can't uh, do much more except keep winning and then putting guys in the league. So the guys who we're possibly going to lose out on are Safety Leighton Ransom to Ohio State, Keeley Ringo to Georgia, which would be a really, really huge gut punch.
0: Yeah, real kick to the dick, in my opinion, on that one.
1: Yeah, Mookie Cooper, who is a former commit, losing him also probably to Ohio State. And then I think probably the one that the two that hurt the most are uh mm-hmm. losing running back B. John Robinson to also Ohio State, and then losing defensive lineman Vernon Broughton to A and M.
0: Yeah, those two especially. I mean Mookie Cooper just sort of a weird thing it seemed like he had been leaning to us for like a year and then committed and then like decommitted less than a month later or something like that kelly ringo was one spent his entire spring break in austin seemed like he was all texas the whole way and then went to georgia and suddenly the entire thing changed wink wink and then lathan ransom honestly that was one where i didn't think we had a whole lot of chance and it seemed like we did have a chance and now we don't have a chance and that is also added to this meltdown but Bijan Robinson and Vernon Broughton are, are the two that are the most worrying because it they those two are indicative of just sort of a continuing problem that we seem to have. This would be the, another year of us whiffing on the big the big time running backs that this program desperately needs, especially with Darian Brown having his health concerns now. And we're going into the year with Keontae Ingram and Jordan Whittington, basically expected to be the two big guys with some guest appearances from Daniel Young, who seems like he's about capped out and then kirk johnson who probably sprained his ankle just hearing his name so losing Bijan robinson would be another heavy mark against the guy that we all thought was going to be a rainmaker for us in running back coach stan drayton and that that just hasn't happened about the most positive thing we had going was he seemed like he had sort of gotten us an in into st louis um, and that seemed to be trending well with marcus washington mookie cooper adelaide attaway but with losing cooper almost immediately again that raises red flags just to add to the red flags that we've had with uh stan drayton and then defensive line um at this point it feels like if you're listening to this podcast you probably follow texas closely enough to have seen the near constant meltdown on surly about oscar giles as a recruiter Uh, no one really doubts that he's a solid if not good coach i mean he's had defensive linemen of the year for the last two years now um, in the Big 12. But on the trail, if we're losing these big five-star guys like Vernon Broughton types to AM, especially when the it, what seems to be the deciding thing is AM telling him that he can play a position he's clearly not going to be able to play his entire career. It again, another continuing indictment of the those problems and those losing those battles in the trenches are the difference between um, contending for conference titles and contending for national titles because those lines are where those titles are won.
1: I guess uh, one positive thing is that, you know, last year our offensive line recruiting seemed like a complete mystery. And this, this time, that's not such a mystery. That seems to be the bedrock of this class. And that, that's a positive. But then we see, like, running back recruiting. We see linebacker recruiting. We see defensive line recruiting and go, what, what's going on here? So r- r- right now, we're probably going to have to figure a lot of this stuff out and start looking for backups because it doesn't look like these guys are trending towards Texas. And a- after they did trend towards Texas for the longest time, they- they're all at the last second close to their commitment, choosing to pick a different team. And th- that's just tough to come back from.
0: Yeah, especially in the case of Bijan John Robinson. A lot of pictures got spread around. I think Mike Roach had posted it on his Twitter Showing Bijan Robinson on his OV at Texas looked like he was having a great time, gave a, everyone a ton of confidence, and then he leaves his OV, goes to a rivals camp, and all the news is about how he's all Ohio State. Um, it's one of those things that, I mean, it just, especially in Bijan's case, after all the stuff with Zach Evans and barely beating Georgia and being left out of the top five, and then apparently this morning being back in his top five based on his Instagram stuff, which is its own ridiculous circus. That one, that one felt like it hurt because everyone had sort of put all our eggs as, as into the basket of recruiting Bijan, and se- things seemed to be going great um, on that end. So, it, yeah, it's easy to melt down. But just based on the fact that we can find those backups, we have guys that we've been keeping warm, and now it becomes an issue of whether or not we waited too long on guys like Ty Jordan, um, who seems to be headed towards USC or trending that way. I don't know if he's nearing a commitment, really. Um, but it is stuff where we have to start falling back. You mentioned linebacker recruiting issues. That one, I feel like, is less... I mean, there, there is a bit of that on the staff just because Todd Orlando is the linebacker coach as well as the defensive coordinator, but he's not a plus recruiter, which generally you're okay with when he is the coordinator. His focus should be on actually developing the defense rather than day-to-day recruiting. Guys like Tim Beck being offensive coordinator and rainmaker recruiters should be the exception, not the norm. So it, it's hard to blame Todd Orlando too much for that. But then it comes back, again, to these these guys who are not plus recruiters, where Stan Drayton has been having issues, Oscar Giles, obviously. And then you get into the Derek Warehimes, and then depending on your opinion of uh, of uh, Meringer, the wide receiver coach, Drew Meringer can totally change Ideally, you'd have those position coaches picking up the slack um, where the coordinator has his focus, and that's just not happening.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, There's probably a lot of changes that needed to happen after last year, uh, especially to the staff, possibly replacing one of Meekin's Drayton or Wareheim and that didn't happen possibly bringing in another defensive coach to help out defensive line recruiting that didn't happen Herman chose continuity and I don't I can see why he does it but you know obviously we would have liked a different result but he he chose to go with what was working at the time
0: yep absolutely
1: but you know with that being said fire Stan Drayton fire uh Derek Wareheim
0: Werheim into the sun, that has been a tentpole of this podcast. And the day he is gone, this podcast will ultimately be searching for direction because that is the one constant that we have been able to hold on to sort of stake our reputation really, too, if you will.
1: All right. So with that, we're going to get into a mailbag question that we have. Uh, So I'm going to ask you this first, Gordog. What are the expectations for the wide receiver group this year?
0: Uh, I think overall, even with the loss of Lil Jordan Humphrey to the NFL um, this, this past year, I would say that the expectations are going to be extremely high. Colin Johnson returned, and expectations are for him to take that next step, to be able to take over games. Uh, on the other outside receiver position, you've got Devin Duvernay, who's back, um, who last year flashed, but um, in my opinion played extremely well and a lot of times was overlooked by Sam whether it's because he was short or whatever I don't know I have high expectations for Devin Duvernay and I expect that him and Sam this offseason will have gotten more on the same page so those open looks that Devin Duvernay gets actually get seen by Sam while going through his progression and then at, at slot receiver the sort of the expectation is that Josh Moore is going to take over there I'm expecting to see a lot of sort of turnover there just sort of a rotation of guys who are coming through whether that's Josh Moore, freshman Jake Smith uh, coming in. Uh, whether someone steps into that little Jordan Humphrey role out of the slot, that sort of slot truck, if you will, just having a big slot receiver who's not necessarily fast but plays hard, like a guy like Malcolm Epps stepping into that role, uh, would be not surprising. And then also just similar sort to of, even though he is listed as a running back on the roster, I feel like we need to include him. Um, Jordan Whittington sort of being that do it every do-everything athlete, um that the coaches expect that he can be sliding out of the the running back position sliding into the slot uh playing as a receiver i expect that that is going to be productive even if no single player out of there really has a blow-up year where they go for a thousand yards and eight touchdowns or something it might be everyone has three to four hundred yards from that slot position and a couple touchdowns to show for it
1: yeah i think that would be a fantastic scenario but there are um when there are a couple things to consider here. One, Brennan Eagles, um, absolute freak of an athlete. Uh, we just have to find ways to get him the ball. And then I, I think he's going to be able to spell both Colin Johnson and Devin Tuvernay. And so that's going to be massive. He has that positional versatility because he's such a freak athlete. And then uh, Josh Moore, I think he, he's going to have another year in strength conditioning, which was going to be the impediment last year, and he still found a way to play. Um, so this year, he just has to be healthy, and he has to learn more of the playbook, and then I think he'll be able to take off. So there's that to consider. And the other thing I want to consider is that probably Colin Johnson will get close to 1,000 yards again. I would like for Devin DuVernay to you know, connect on more of those long shots, and so he will also maybe approach eight, 900 yards, which would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then have just a smorgasbord of receivers that see playing time catch the ball here and there once or twice a game and get a chance to show what they have and the reason i say that is our running back depth is kind of iffy we have a sophomore in ingram and a true freshman jordan whittington we don't know if they will be able to stand up to an entire season worth of of hits so and we also have sam who isn't all that uh um, healthy all the time to begin with so <laughs> i think we're gonna have to change up the scheme a little bit go more to the quick passing game with the screening game and get these young guys involved because they are seriously fast like josh moore jake smith jordan winnington uh brennan eagles all these guys extremely fast players we get them involved in the quick passing game to help make up for the run game and i think they'll that this entire group as a whole will appear more than the sum of its parts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that helps with all those young guys um, and concerns about injuries, uh, with Labor Day being early this year, the season starts technically August 31st. Um, Every team is going to have two bye weeks, and the way we've got it laid out is all 12 games are sort of broken up into these sets of four. So we do basically every month, Uh, or so get a break and give us a chance to heal up middle of the season Um, so I think that that really lays out favorably for having all those young guys who are still acclimating to the college game whether it's by size or strength or whatever it might be it'll it'll help us at least maintain the sort of impression of injury luck I guess um, throughout the year yeah exactly and then one other thing I want to throw in there for those guys who are, who we talked about rotating at slot, whether that's Josh Moore, Jake Smith, Jordan Winnington, whatever, for all those guys, another place that they're going to have a big impact I feel this year is going to be uh, back there returning kicks and returning punts. That That's one of those things that a lot of times when you have those explosive freshmen, that, those are areas where they can have impacts on the game. Because early in the season, you learning the playbook all in Over and over, you end up with sort of a package of plays that slowly expands throughout the year. Kick return, punt return, there's a little bit of learning to sort of how you want to attack each one of those, but a lot of that just comes down to instinct, and that's something that I think Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington especially, uh, both of those guys, show good football instincts in their highlight tape and in Jordan Whittington's case in the spring um, to be able to sort of improvise on those types of plays. So I think they're going to have a lot of an impact there uh, as well as Deshaun Jameson coming from the defensive back uh, side of the field. So I think that brings us to the end of, I, I, I think, what amounts to our last true offseason episode. Uh, our next episode will be planned for August, likely going to coincide with the start of fall camp. Uh, we'll also sort of start at that time doing our previews of the offense, the defense, um, whatever the case may be. Um, and I'd consider that all sort of the start of football season. While we won't really be back, into the in-season, two-episodes-a-week schedule. Uh, We will have episodes throughout fall camp for sure. So thank you to everyone who is still listening. Uh, Give us some feedback on whatever platform you're listening on, on Reddit, on Twitter, whatever. Let us know how we're doing. We always want to improve. We finally reached into our top ten on our countdown for the best plays of 2018, so definitely worth following us on Twitter regardless. Um, Just to see the conclusion of the list, I think the last one we released was number ten, number nine this Saturday. So... Uh, Otherwise, we will see y'all in August. Hook'em. Hook'em.